listening to the Bill Sunday School Podcast. Turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, the Gospel of John. We're going to start in verse 9. And we're going to read uh, the, the Christmas story as far as the Gospel of John is concerned, which is very... Um, uh, it's, it's very like a literary poem about the light coming into the world. It doesn't have the same story effect as uh, the nativity scene in Matthew or Luke. But here it is. This is John chapter 1, starting in verse 9. It says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Verse 10, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So you, you see what's going on here. Jesus made the world came into the world. The world did not recognize him. Verse 11 says, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who do receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent or of husband's uh, human decision or of husband's will, but born of God. And then one of my favorite verses, John 1 14, the word became flesh, made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray this morning. Jesus, we do worship you and you alone. God, as as we are entering into this season of Christmas and the festivities, God, may you be worshipped first and foremost in our lives above everything else, above distractions or traditions. God, may you alone, Jesus, the incarnate God, that lived on this earth. May you be worshiped. May you have all majesty and glory from our lives. God, we worship you. We praise you, Jesus. And everybody screamed. Amen. Amen. Well, this this story happens uh, to take place in July. Mind you, July. What month? July. So I was in the mill office, and if you've never been in the mill office, it's like straight down this hall on the right. You should stop by sometime um, and, and, and hang out with us. Um, but I went out into the lobby, into this main lobby, d- down this hallway, and in July, what month? July. And I smelled, I was like, I smell Christmas cookies. And I slapped myself, and I thought, that can't be possible. It's July. I didn't really slap myself, but I was like, I, I definitely smell Christmas sugar cookies. What in the world? And so I, I was like following my nose, like, where is this smell coming from? It's delicious. I want a Christmas cookie. And so I walked down the hallway, and then if you go out there to the right is a kitchen, and I walked into the kitchen, and I saw all these Christmas cookies. What month is it? It was July. And so like I'm wearing shorts, it's 90 degrees outside, and the kitchen, in the kitchen there's probably hundreds of Christmas cookies, like little Santa Clauses, little Christmas trees, little elves, little candy canes. And I was like, what? And the, there was nobody in there. And so I was like, this is the weirdest thing ever. This is like some sort of end of the world rapture where like it turns into Christmas and then, I don't know, I, don't, I was just like, this is really weird. And then as I'm looking at these Christmas cookies, just like thinking, can I have one? What are these for? I don't know. I hear jingle bells being sung in July, mind you. Mind you, this is July. And so I walk through the uh, kitchen, and there's a room called 107. The Mill Sunday School used to meet in there way back in the day, years ago. And so I look in that room, and there's like a hundred Asian kids, Chinese kids, like high school and middle schoolers, singing jingle bells. And um, I- I'm not one to point fingers on people singing, but they were doing a horrible job. It was like the um, that singing... <laughs> I sound so mean, but it was like that scene at the end of the Christmas story where the, they go to the Chinese. <laughs> rah, rah, rah. It's not rah, rah. It's la, la. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, I, 
I, I kid the Asians. So these, these Asian kids, barely speaking English, I come to find out, straight from China, I would come to find out, were singing Christmas ca- jingle bells and deck the halls in 107, and there was Christmas cookies, and it's July. And I was like, what in the world is going on? So I go back to the mill offices, and I'm I, I like, hey, everybody, they're singing Christmas carols, and there's cookies, Christmas cookies in the, in the kitchen. And of course, the mill staff's reaction is, can we have a Christmas cookie? There's like, hello, it's July, and there's Christmas being like thrown up all over our kitchen, and there's Asian kids singing. What in the world is going on? And then someone knocks on our door, comes in and says, hey, can a bunch of Chinese kids come in here and sing Christmas carols? We're going to give you uh, candy canes, and so after they're done singing Christmas carols, you give them candy canes. And we're like, of course, because that's what we always do every day. Um, <laughs> it's like, we're pretty much like, yeah, we'll do that as long as you tell us what in the world is going on. And so come to find out um, through like the missions department, and uh, I was re-asking this story to a, a, a guy named Ben Schaefer, who was kind of helping with this, that the, what happened in July was uh, a bunch of Chinese kids came to the United States to learn about American culture. They were not Christians. They had somehow New Life paired up with a school, and they got scholarships to come study American culture. So here they are in July, and a big part, of course, of American culture, at least in the winter months, is Christmas. So th- they were learning about Christmas. And I just ima- I tell the story to just think about Christmas and the things we do from a perspective of someone that has never celebrated American Christmas like we have. I mean, we just kind of, at least me, like I I grew up in America and my parents are American. I've just grown up doing the American Christmas thing. And I guess I just never thought or, you know, thought or taken for, I guess I took for granted, like the, the fact that Jesus came into this world, born of a virgin about 2,000 years ago in the Middle East. Therefore, Santa, a a fat elf, flies around the sky in a sled pulled by Arctic deer that can also fly. And there's one with a red nose that lights up. And he comes down your chimney and gives you gifts. Doesn't that all make perfect sense? Obviously. And so I just imagine these poor Chinese kids thinking, okay, okay, I I got it. So I'm understanding that you believe that your God came into this world 2,000 years ago, born of the virgin. Okay, I get that. But then it's like, so we're going to all sit around and drink eggnog and eat a Santa cookie? Like, how does that lead into the other? Like, where does Christmas trees come from? Or so many of the traditions that we do. Um, and, and so today in the Mill Sunday School, we're going we're gonna to talk about Christmas, the real Christmas. This whole month, there's three Sundays this month. We're going to talk about the real Christmas. We're going to talk about some of where our Christmas traditions come from and um, some, some bigger ideas of Christ and culture, but we'll get to that um, in, a, in, a, in a bit. But first, some announcements. Are you cool with an announcement? There's just two. One is, if you're new to the Mill Sunday School, welcome. We love the fact that you came here. There's uh, little cards that look like this. It says uh, the Mill Sunday School on it. We're glad you came. And if you fill out your information and bring it to the nice people as you leave, they'll give you a CD. It's If you've been to the Mill on a Friday night for the first time, it's the same CD. It's a worship CD that we recorded a few years ago, and it's got some songs on it, and it's just a gift for you for coming. So thanks for coming to the Mill Sunday School. The other announcement is, for the very first time, we have a little donation box back there uh, by the coffee. Um, Mill Sunday School food and coffee is always free. It's always been free, but um, the accounting department just asked us, hey, can you put out a donation box in case people want to donate to help the cost of the creamer and the 
cream cheese and the coffee that we make. So no pressure at all to, to donate. We, the Sunday school breakfast will always be free, but that's back there. I thought I would announce it because it's our first time doing that. So let's move right along, shall we? All right. Um, so the outline for this month, there's three Sundays because uh, in four Sundays, it's Christmas and Christmas falls on a Sunday, and we're going to cancel the Mill Sunday School so that you can go to the 10 o'clock service if you so chose. New Life is having a 10 o'clock service on Sunday morning, on Christmas Sunday morning. And so there's, there's three Sundays that we have uh, to work with the Mill Sunday School. And if you uh, haven't been to the Mill Sunday School, we always take topics per month. This month's topic is the real Christmas. There's three Sundays, and so let me give you a little outline of where we're going. Today we're going to talk about paganism and Christmas. And this Sunday, if you leave here thinking, man, Christmas stinks. Joe's a Scrooge. He's the Grinch, literally. Um, I I will uh, kind of agree with you on some level because we're going to kind of talk about like where the traditions of Santa and Christmas trees came from for a little bit. And unfortunately, there's lots of paganism that that has, has kind of crept into our Christmas traditions, and it's a little unfortunate, but it is what it is. So today, that's what we're going to talk about. If you leave here depressed about Christmas, come back next Sunday, because then next Sunday we're going to talk about Christ and Christmas, talk about St. Nicholas, we'll talk about Advent, we'll talk about some of these Christmas traditions that are very Christ-centered and how awesome it is. And then the, the final Sunday this month, which will be in three Sundays, we will talk about the real Christmas, which is we'll read the story of Matthew 1 and 2, Luke 1, 2, and 3, or at least talk about the real Christmas and some of the details of the nativity and stuff like that. So that's the lineup. And so let's begin where we're going to end this month with the, the idea of the real Christmas. And I think that the real Christmas, the stories as they are recorded in Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1, 2, and 3, that's the Christmas. If you read all five of those chapters, you will read everything um, that we have in the Bible about the Christmas nativity scene. And you will read a story that is probably very different than maybe some of the traditions or folklore that have crept into the story of Christmas and Jesus. Um, it's, it's like this picture. I found, I was looking up pictures of nativity, and some of you in the front could probably make out that this nativity scene is not just made out of Legos, it's made out of Star Wars Legos. Like, of course it is. There's Ewoks representing the three wise men, and there's a Tauntaun. Is that, the, was that, was that what it's called? A Tauntaun? Of course, there's a tauntaun, because that makes perfect sense, because Jesus was born 2,000 years ago in the Middle East. So, of course, Lego, Star Wars makes perfect sense, right? Right, of course. And Santa comes down the chimney and sees little Jesus and gives him frankincense or something. And so, like, we just have, don't we, isn't it? I mean, I'm just trying to make a bigger point that the real Christmas story of, of a young woman, Mary, giving birth to God himself, uh, on this earth is kind of convoluted and um, distorted with all the folklore and American traditions that we have. And so what better way to prove this to you? So I'm proving to you the point that uh, you probably have perceptions of the real Christmas that are maybe more based on folklore and, and traditions than they are Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1, 2 and 3. So uh, I thought, what better thing to do than a fun quiz? Who loves quizzes? Yeah, <laughs> I was just kidding, but lots of you just raised your hand. So there's people scattering right now with a quiz. Okay, this quiz is closed book. 
This quiz is, quiz is closed cell phones, closed Wikipedia, closed Bibles, just the knowledge in your head. Um, if you're sitting at a smaller table, join a bigger table. Don't take the quiz alone. Uh, you can open it right away and take it as soon as you get it as a group. So it's a, it's a group quiz. Have fun with it. The winner, if anybody gets 100%, you'll be the winner of the day and you will be the winner. That's all I got. Uh, so, the, so the first one is hopefully very easy. When Mary became pregnant, Mary and Joseph were C, engaged. Did everybody get that right? Did, did anyone check B, a friend relationship? I did that to trick you, but they were, they were engaged. Matthew 1.18 says that they were. Okay, this one will be confusing, maybe. Number two, how many wise men were there? How many of you put A, three wise men? Anybody? A couple of people. That's what, that's what the Christian folklore, the traditions would tell you. If you go to any Christmas pageant, there's always three. But the answer is C, the Bible doesn't say how many magi or wise men there were. Raise your hand if you got that one correct. You did? Yes. That's, that means you're nerds. That means you, that's awesome. I'm excited about that. Okay. Um, number three, what type of building was Jesus born in? How many of you put A, a stable? How many of you put B, a cave? If you go to Bethlehem, there, there's like a cave that someone will give you a tour of that uh, supposedly Jesus was born in. Um, but the Bible doesn't say. The, the correct answer is D. I know. I know. Every pageant you've ever been to, Jesus is born next to like a cow and there's, he's in a stable. Well, it just doesn't say. It could have been outside. It could have been in a stable. could have been in a cave. But the, the, the real answer is we don't know because the Bible doesn't specifically say. All right, the wise men that brought their gifts to Jesus, they found him in a manger, in a barn, a vacation Bible school, um, or D, the Bible doesn't say. The answer is D. The Bible doesn't say where the wise men found him. In fact, if you read the story, Matthew 2, 16, you can kind of get the idea that the, the wise men found Jesus years after he was born. So he was probably a toddler. It, it probably wasn't the very night he was born. So they didn't find him in a manger. Um, the, the shepherds will find him in a manger, but the wise men will find him much later. The Bible doesn't say. Number five, kind of a trick question. Not really. I mean, uh, how, what animals were present at Jesus' birth? D, the Bible doesn't say. If, if you were like, yeah, there must have been cows. and There could have been cows and sheeps. Sheep? Sheeps? sheep there and, and donkeys or camel. We just don't know because the Bible doesn't say. So the correct answer is D. The Bible doesn't say. How many of you have gotten all five right so far? A couple tables. Sweet. Okay, good. Um, so, but, but the majority of you didn't raise your hand, which, which the point of this quiz is to show you that our traditions, our culture, our folklore have, have kind of bitten its teeth into the real story of Christmas. And we just don't, know the facts from the myths. So, number six. Uh, how soon after Joseph and Mary reached Bethlehem was Jesus born? Within a few minutes that night, or the Bible doesn't say? The Bible doesn't say. It's kind of a recurring theme of this quiz, by the way. Um, number seven. So, so six was C, the Bible doesn't say. Seven. What did the innkeeper say to Mary and Joseph? A, I have a stable out back. B, come back after the celebration. C, there's no room. Or D, the Bible doesn't say. It's D. The Bible doesn't say. Luke, uh, Luke 2, you could look for the character of the innkeeper, and he's not there. Can you believe this? So every Christmas play you've ever seen, Mary and Joseph go to the innkeeper, and the innkeeper says, I have no room, right? Well, that, that part is just, 
kind of folklore-ish. It's, it's not written there. It, the Bible doesn't say there's no actual innkeeper character in the story. Does that blow your mind? It blows my mind. Anyways, uh, for the journey to Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph, probably most of you picked B. Joseph walked, Mary rode a donkey, which is, of course, the iconic picture on, on your skillet of, of Mary riding a pregnant Mary, riding a donkey, Joseph walking. That's just what we always see in our heads. That's the image. But what's the answer? It's D. The Bible doesn't say once again. Um, number nine, the shepherds followed a star to baby Jesus. Is that true or false? What? The shepherds did, not the wise men. <laughs> Don't oh his name is John Wood. He was trying to help the quiz. Thank you, John Wood. Anyways, uh so the shepherds, so where were we? Nine? The shepherds followed a star to baby Jesus. Is that true or is that false? It's actually false because it was there's two groups of people. There's the wise men that that come to Jesus, they follow the star. And there's the shepherds that, that they hear the voice of the heart. The, is his name Harold, the angel? <laughs> Just kidding. Um, the, the angels tell the shepherds that, that you guys are so rowdy right now. The, the, the angels tell the shepherds to find the, the Christ child in a manger. And so it's the shepherds that, that find Jesus in the manger, not the wise men. So it's, it's, it is confusing. So anyways, uh, and number 10, so the answer to nine is, false. I'm sure a lot of you put true. And finally, number 10, frankincense is a, uh, a sweet tree sap, a precious metal, a horror movie. I put that in, in there because I thought that was cool because you could be confused like, oh, Frankenstein, a horror movie, obviously. Just kidding. Um, the answer, does anybody know the answer? A. Yeah, it is A. It's a tr- sweet tree sap. Uh, so frankincense and myrrh are both tree saps. Surprised you didn't know that. Anyways, uh, did anybody get more than five correct? Did anybody get zero? Did anybody get zero correct? I thought we, I, we would just make you leave if you got zero correct. Anyways, did anybody get six correct? Seven? How many of you only missed two or, or less? How many of you only missed one? Did anybody get 100%? Oh, this cool table in the front. It's always the front tables. They did, they, they, I know you all hate them now, but they, they win. They are the nerds of the day. They are the winners. I don't have a prize, but they just get to know that they're the nerds of the day. Don't boo them. (laughs) Boo. All right. We're done with the quiz. Let's, let's talk about this continuing theme of, of how the myths of Christmas have interjected themselves into the real story. And so let's ask this question, which is on your notes, um, are the American Christmas traditions paganistic? And, and, and I think that a lot of them are, and I'm going to show you some of them, which, which this part of the Sunday school lesson may leave you thinking, man, Joe hates Christmas. He hates everything about December. He, he's the Grinch. He really is Ebenezer Scrooge. I'm not. I'm just showing you that, that a lot of the traditions that we have are actually based upon more pagan 
traditions or folklore than they are the real Christmas story. And if this depresses you, well then, um, it, it, that is just what it is. Next week we'll talk about Christ and Christmas. And um, so anyways, so are the Christmas traditions paganistic? I think so. Some of them maybe are at least. December 25th, we celebrate Christmas on December 25th, correct? Correct. And so why do we celebrate Christmas on December 25th? Is because Jesus was born that day? Can we look in the Bible and see what day Jesus was born on? Not necessarily. You could kind of, if you, if you look in the Bible and you look for clues as to what, when it was, I think you'll find, like many Bible scholars, that Jesus was probably born in the springtime. That's just a guess, though, because the Bible doesn't explicitly say. But we celebrate Christmas on December 25th. Um, mainly for one big reason, which was um, at, at the turn of the millennium, when Christianity was, was beginning, the 100s, the 200s, the 300s uh, of, of, of our AD, um, there was a lot of worship of this god named Mithra, which is the Indo-Iranian god of the sun, um, kind of entered into Europe and Asia Minor from Alexander's conquest um, way back in the day. And so people at the time, this pagan culture surrounding the Mediterranean was worshiping a god named Mithra, the sun god, and, and they would worship him on December 25th because that was one of the darkest, coldest days of the year. And so you'd worship this sun god to kind of invite him back into the world and pray to him that you would have a good harvest in the springtime and on and on with these traditions of Mithra. And so as the Mediterranean world became more Christian and this this god of Mithra was being worshipped on December 25th, some synchronism happened with this melting of like, okay, we're already celebrating a god on December 25th. Why not now that we're Christians, celebrate a different God, but have the same day. And so, unfortunately, the, the very day that we worship our, our born Savior into this world is actually based upon the day in which uh, an ancient pagan culture worshipped another God. A little unfortunate, but it's just how the history has played itself out. And so I found this cute, and I, I just show it because it's cute, not because I'm a heretic or anything. But um, I found this little JPEG, of because we always say Jesus is the reason for the season, right? And he is the reason for the season. But the reason why it's December 25th is <laughs> Axel Tilt is the reason for the season. Yikes. And, and what I mean by that, hopefully you don't, think I'm a heretic and just leave. But ho- what I mean by that and showing this cute, funny little JPEG is, is that we worship our born Savior into this world on December 25th because it just happens to be uh, near the winter solstice of when the, the sun is uh, the, the less amount of light in the northern hemisphere and it's the coldest. And so the, that, that's when people prayed to this God of Mithra. And that's the, the celebrations that we now have because of the Christmas kind of melted with this uh, Mithra God worship that people used to do. Does that make sense? Is that, does that blow you away? Did some of you already know that? Are we cool right now? Okay, some of you already knew that, so you're not like blown away. But, but it is kind of like, it may be a little depressing. Like, oh, I thought Jesus, I thought that was his birthday. Well, it, that's when we celebrate it, but we really don't know when it is. But anyways, moving right along. Your favorite, Christmas trees, right? Who doesn't like Christmas trees? Everybody likes, I mean, it's just, fun, right? It's like lights and you go out and cut one or something and you put ornaments on it and lights. Where did that tradition come from? I mean, begin to think like, 
like, remember like, the, the story I opened up with, like a, uh, someone who is totally unfamiliar with the American culture comes here, learns about Jesus being born of a virgin uh, around uh, 0 AD-ish, and, uh, and so we go out and cut down a Christmas tree and bring it into our house. Like, how, what? How does that how does that work? Well, the, the story of the Christmas tree, there's kind of lots of stories and ideas of where the Christmas tree came from. Many of the ideas of where the Christmas tree come from have links with this old Germanic a pagan uh, celebration of Yule when people would go out into the woods and cut down a big tree and bring back in the log and they would have a Yule log burning for weeks upon end and, and the Yule log would warm the house literally and figuratively ward off evil spirits, bring in the spirits of the forest into your house to protect you from the outside cold, dark world. And it was, it was along the lines of pagan worship and um, this German pagan uh, worship. So there's that. And then there's this idea that people would just go bring life and green things into their house in the ancient German uh, worldview of of bringing the life from outside into your house to invite the spirits to to bless the house. And so people would go out and get green things like mistletoe is green. And mistletoe has implications of, in the German pagan world, of, of, of representing the gods of fertility and romance. And so you would bring these things into your house, which may be along the lines of today, like if you're a boy and a girl and you look up and see mistletoe, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> Kiss, yeah, that's why we have mistletoe over every doorway in here, to help you guys out. Um, just kidding. Just kidding. But, like, you think about, like, where did that Christmas tradition, what does that have to do with anything about the Jesus being born and placed in a manger? What does mistletoe have anything to do with that? Well, it has everything to do with this ancient Germanic pagan worship of just bringing living things like trees, mistletoe. Mistletoe is like an evergreen. It's kind of like a parasitic thing that lives on a tree. Anyways, you'd bring green stuff into your house or the Yule log so that you would invite the the good spirits to bless your house and ward off the evil spirits that are outside. So today, the Christmas tree kind of falls in line with those traditions of bringing green stuff into your house in the dead of winter. So that's where that comes from. The other thing we as Americans do uh, quite a bit of is the American gift-giving thing. And uh, I think we'll just roll our eyes when we hear stories of Black Friday, right? I mean, it's just like, wait, somebody got shot? Literally? Like, like a, a curtain came off a bunch of Xboxes and some lady started pepper spraying people? Like, seriously? Like, I just imagine, like, other cultures looking at rich Americans fighting over Xboxes and pepper spraying each other like what in the world are they doing like how does that have anything to do with jesus being born and placed in a manger two thousand years ago well it it doesn't have that much and i think we as christians know that the materialism and commercialism of christmas is not good it it takes away from the some of the jesus actual real christmas things and the stories that are in the bible i think we know that i think we know that um that it's, it's better to give than to receive. And, and of course, the, the American gift-giving is loosely based upon this idea that God gave his son to the world, therefore we should give each other Xboxes and, and Blu-ray players. Right? <laughs> Anyways, um, moving right along. Your favorite, Santa. Who likes Santa? Does anybody still believe in Santa? A couple people? All right, I'll, I'll take, take it easy here. Um, this idea of Santa, think about, just to stop and pause and think about, because we take this stuff for granted that we were, 
you know, from America, live in America, most of us at least, and, and grew up with Santa, either believing in Santa or the neighbor kids' friends believed in Santa, and knowing the traditions. And maybe we just take for granted that Jesus was born 2,000 years ago, and so Santa shows up with reindeer, and uh, one of them has a red nose, and he gives us gifts. Like, like what? Like, how does that where does that come from? Is that in the Bible? No, it's not really in the Bible. Um, how does this uh, the Santa stuff, how did that happen? Where does that tradition come from? Well, there's St. Nick, which we'll talk about kind of next time. But even St. Nick like, didn't have reindeer and, and that flew and a, and a big um, sleigh. But that tradition of giving gifts and Santa knowing if you're a good boy or a bad boy uh, and having lists and kind of like sending letters to Santa or praying to Santa for good gifts. That comes from, uh, once again, a Germanic, a German pagan ancient worship of this Yule god named Odin, O-D-I-N, who was this bearded guy, this god that, that, that flew around on a sleigh. He would give kids gifts or punish them if they were bad. He would like take them and make them his slaves. So it's like, Santa, you would take people that were bad and make them your slaves? <laughs> kind of. That's, that's the Germanic. <laughs> that sounds so bad. Everyone, you're going to leave here thinking, anyways, never mind. So where does, I mean, think about the idea of Santa for just a second and pretend you're not an American having lived in America your whole life and grew up loving Santa and all the gifts that he gave you. And think about like, is Santa a little G God? Are we teaching our kids that this omnipresent person sees you when you're sleeping and this omniscient person um, knows if you've been bad or good all year long. Like, we're really talking about a little G-God, aren't we? In some ways, I mean, there, and so there's lots of Christians that are on the other end of the spectrum that are like, yeah, Santa and Satan, they're spelled very similar. So Santa is Satan, and he takes away from Jesus, and on and on. And, and I'm not, I'm, I don't have that perspective, but I can understand that that, that perspective, and I, and I understand that, that it does take some Christ out of Christmas with, with all this stuff about Santa and reindeer and Christmas trees. And it's like, well, well, where is the story of Jesus in all of these American traditions that we do? And so the next point on your, on your notes is this, the Christ in Christmas. Um, I, I put a sweet quote. I think we put it on there. Yeah. Uh, Dimitri Martin, Dimitri Martin uh, a stand-up comedian, said, I wrapped my Christmas presents earlier this year, but I used the wrong paper. See, the paper I used said happy birthday on it. I didn't want to waste it, so I just wrote Jesus. <laughs> That's so funny to me. <laughs> Anyways, it is. I mean, we are celebrating um, the birth of God on this earth by, by celebrating Christmas. And, and so we, we have lost so much of that, I think, as Americans. And I think, th- th- therefore, there's these, these groups like uh, Taking Back Christmas. There's groups like... Um, uh, what did I write down? Uh, there's groups like Advent Conspiracy. If you want to go to a, a weird, cool website, go to adventconspiracy.com. And it's just like this bigger idea of like how, how far we've gotten away from the real Christmas uh, with our American-style Christmases. And, and so we see things like this, stickers or bumper stickers that say um, the, the, the cheesiness of the stickers, just brilliant, I think. Um, but it's, it's, it's like no Christ, no Christmas. No Christ, no Christmas, right? Have you seen these before? Am I the only person that reads bumper stickers? So um, 
So it, it is this idea that we as Christians have been duped in some ways by our culture in doing all these other things around this holiday that should be about the Christ child. And this, by the way, this happening of, of you know, culture kind of taking away a holiday and we as Christian Americans would say, yeah, it's, it's, it kind of dumbs down Christmas or takes Christ out of Christmas. This isn't anything new. If you go back to the um, uh, Puritan days of, of this country and Puritan England, um, th- there's this uh, public notice. This public notice is from the 1600s, 1659-ish, um, where Christmas was outlawed in Boston by the Puritan settlers. And so... Um, Christmas was seen as this English tradition of revelry and drinking. And if you were in the 1600s on Christmas Day, you'd be like, what is going on? It's like a carnival and people are dressed up as different things. And a bunch of poor people go to a rich person's house and ask them for money and food. And if the, the rich people don't give them the money and the food, then they just break in and steal stuff. I mean, this is what was happening on Christmas back in the 1600s. And so the Puritans were like, we don't want any part of that. Christmas is outlawed. And so here's a public notice. It says something like, uh, the observation of Christmas having been deemed sacrilege, the exchanging of gifts, greetings, dressing in fine clothes, uh, basically is forbidden, finable by five shillings. And so Christmas was outlawed back in the day, 1600s, Boston, because people just saw it as like, you know, it's supposed to be about Christ, but it, it became something else. And so they outlawed it. And then, by the way, if you are interested in the history of Christmas, when, when we as a nation formed and, and signed the Declaration of Independence from Great Britain, England, um, we kind of decided that the, the way England did Christmas was English, and so we as Americans stopped celebrating Christmas for almost like 60 plus years, almost until the Industrial Revolution, where um, like in 1843, I think the Christmas Carol, the book by uh, Dickens came out, and then... Um, uh, Twas the Night Before Christmas, that poem was written in 1823, which kind of just revived um, some Christmas traditions. And in some ways didn't just revive them, but we got to, as Americans, redefine and define Christmas um, for everyone, for ourselves and for the world. And so Santa came out of that Industrial Revolution time period of the 1800s, um, at least based upon Olden and some of the other traditions that were going on. Christmas trees became popular, and the reindeer became popular, and all that stuff is relatively new as far as American traditions are concerned. And so, what are we kind of left with as Christians? Um, And this last final point of your notes um, is just the, the question, what makes something wrong? And, and I would say as, as we are, you know, let's just assume we're all Christians in here. Let's just assume that um, pagan worship is evil for Christians to do. And so therefore, if Christmas the day, the 25th, is based upon the, the, the day of, of the year, it is based upon a ancient pagan holiday, if Santa is based upon an ancient pagan holiday, Odin, God, if the Christmas tree is based upon this ancient idea of bringing the good spirits of the forest into your house to ward off the evil spirits, well then, is that wrong? Is it wrong to have a Christmas tree? Is it wrong to teach your kids about Santa? Is that wrong because it's based on paganism? And what makes something wrong? And so I'm going to give you this discussion question, which basically give you a choice between um, what makes something wrong? Is it the thing that makes the thing wrong? Or is it how you see the thing? Is it your expression to the thing that makes the thing wrong? Does that make no sense? 
<laughs> I have a little video clip of, of a, um, it, it doesn't, it's not really a Christmas clip, but it, it seems to be along the lines of, of what I'm trying to say and where I'm going with this. And so it's, it's of a, a guy that's a very fundamentalist Christian who is very anti-American culture. And he, it's a, it's a BBC documentary of this guy handing out, um, at least the clip you're about to see is he's handing out gospel tracts to people outside of a carnival. And he says a bunch of like, the carnival is evil. It has, you know, evil music. And you hear this music in the background. You're like, yeah, that's evil. It has satanic pictures. And you see this like, just like little horse that's purple. And you're like, okay. And it has like an evil house. And it's like, you see like in the background, a monkey maze. Um, but he, this, this, this Christian that is very anti-American culture sees this carnival as pure evil. And it's only a minute long, so I have to really pay attention to this last part of the clip. You'll probably be rolling in laughter because you'll think it's funny. But um, I don't know why. It's not funny to me. Anyways, um, the the last scene is of this conversation. It's very quick, so pay attention. He just says, don't spend too much time in that carnival. And it's evil. And the ladies just all laugh, like, ha ha, seriously, you're nut. And, and he says, no, seriously, it's an evil place. And she says, well, I guess it's what you make of it. And he says, no, it's what it is. So I'm going to present you back with that question. What makes something wrong? Is it the thing or is it, you know, how you see the thing? Is it, is it what you make of the thing that makes it wrong or right? So, without any further ado, the, the clip. Could I give you a gospel message? Thank you. You're welcome. Could I give a gospel message to you? All right. There's a fun fair going on in a nearby town today. But Ephraim set up his signs just outside. I don't want to be connected with the fair. It's, it's a wicked place. It's, the whole thing is about money. Everyone's trying to get rich, trying to entertain, trying to satisfy their longings. The music is evil. The, some of the pictures are really demonic. You got the, the dragon trains. You got the, the evil house on the other street. And it's just... It's a place where I don't want to be. A gospel message for you. Do you want to be in heaven? All right. Well, don't stay too long in there. It's a wicked place. No. It's what you make of it. Okay, it's not what you make of it. It's what it is. So that's the clip. The, the gist of the clip. So did you see that conversation? She's like, I'm going in there to eat. And he says, don't stay too long. It's a wicked place. And she kind of just looks at him like, you're crazy. And she said, well, I guess it's what you make. I mean, that's what I guess what I would have said if I was like going to a carnival and some preacher person was like, here, don't stay too long. It's an evil place. I'd be like, well, I guess it's what you make of it. We're not going in there to slaughter animals and pour blood on ourselves. (laughs) We're going in there to eat ice cream, for goodness sakes. Anyways, so so going back to this, I, I wanted to use Christmas as a... As the specific, but I, I think that the, the bigger idea here is just maybe some of the traditions and things that we as Americans do, having pagan um, backgrounds. Is it the thing that's wrong, or is it your perception of the thing? Is it what you make of it that makes it wrong? And so we're, I'm going to give you, we have about 10 minutes left. I want to give you this discussion question for just a few minutes, maybe like four minutes to, to, to group up. Uh, to, if smaller tables, you could join bigger tables. Turn to some people around you. And if you're on, so here's the question. The discussion question is, what makes something wrong? Is it the thing, or is it what you make of the thing? And so if you're on the right side of the room, 
I want you to kind of make an argument that it's the thing that is either wrong or right. And if you're on the left side of the room, I want you to kind of discuss and make an argument that it's what you make of it that makes the thing wrong or right. If you want to switch sides, you can real quick. But so this side is the thing is wrong. This side is it's what you make of the thing that's wrong. Cool? Ready, get set, discuss. Okay, I would love to um, uh, hear from you if, if you have... Uh, maybe something to say this side, you guys were supposed to um, talk specifically about maybe it's the thing that makes the thing wrong, and this side was more of uh, it's what you make of it that makes it wrong. So this side, the right side of the room, does anyone want to share from the mic um, just kind of a a bigger argument of what your table said about um, it's the thing that makes the thing wrong? Anybody brave enough? Yes, Annie Tuttle, thank you. Um, one of the girls at our table said that um, basically um, there has to be something true, something false. We can't have moral relativism. So um, like if you're colorblind and you look at something that's green and you say it's orange, it's still green. What you see of it doesn't yeah. necessarily affect what it actually is. Yeah, thank you. That, I think that's the, the, the big argument. She said it perfectly that, that we don't believe in moral relativism. It's not... Um, we as Christians do believe in a God that, that knows everything, and so therefore something is either right or wrong based upon who God is. And sometimes maybe th- this side could argue from the perspective of earth, or we don't know, we don't have omnipresence or omniscience, so we might not know what the truth is for sure on one particular issue, but there is truth. There is black and white things according to the Creator God. So this side, yeah, Ellen. So, so this side was, uh, it's what you make of the thing. Okay, they decided they're in the middle, so they did both. <laughs> there. Um, our group came up with some really great ideas um, that some things are in the Bible that say this is right or this is wrong, and those would be close-handed issues. Um, but other things are gray areas, and it depends on what you make of it in the sense of is it taking away from God or is it hurting other people or does it have the appearance of evil? Okay, good. Yeah, so if you are bringing a Christmas tree in your house and praying to the gods of the forest to bless it, well, we, that's, that's wrong. But if you're just bringing a tree in your house because it smells good and you're decorating it uh, with your family, maybe it's the thing that makes the thing wrong. So that's not wrong in and of itself. Yeah, maybe the last comment for the day and then we'll wrap up. Uh, I don't believe it's the thing itself that makes it wrong. It's the person that chooses to perceive it one way or another. Because in our culture today, you know, just for instance, another holiday, Independence Day, some people view it as a holiday just to go out and get plastered and have a good time. And then there's other people that view it as, hey, this is the holiday that we celebrate our forefathers and our independence. You know, it's just like any other thing, a gun you can use it for good or for bad. It's the person in the heart of the person that perceives good or bad in it. So the Christmas holidays, you got Santa or you have St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas was a Christian and he did manifest Christ and give to people because he believed that's what you should do in celebrating the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ. You know, that's just a representation and a demonstration of what God did for us through his son. So ultimately, it's how you perceive things and it's your heart. Are you 
Are you pure in your heart, how you perceive Christmas, or are you not pure in your heart? So I think it's the person and what you yeah. make of it, not the thing. Yeah, thanks. I think I would, I think of all things considered between this debate of what is it, the thing that makes it wrong, the thing itself, or is it how you perceive what you make of it? I think on this issue of Christmas, I, I would definitely lean towards it's what you make of it that, that, that would make it either wrong or, or right. Um, the, the last image I have here is just a picture of a manger. And if maybe some of you don't even know what a manger is, because we always just use the term as far as, oh, that's what Jesus was placed in. It must just be an ancient cradle kind of thing. It's like, no, it's actually a, a, a trough that an animal would eat out of. And, and the, this family that was so poor, they didn't have a place to, to lay their son, who happened to be God himself, come into this world like we all came into this world through being born and that is this this beautiful holiday in this season that that we get to celebrate. And so I think it's it, I think it, it should go without saying that that we as Christians should put Christ in Christmas to worship Christ first in this season. Um, and, and it should go without saying, but I think sometimes we do need to be reminded of it. It's almost like in this season of, of buying gifts and running around and the, the Christmas trees and Santa, these, all these things that seem to take away from this holiday, it's, it's like we need to worship God and Jesus Christ and his birth despite the Christmas holiday because there's so many distractions. And so as we close, I just want to pray for us and, and remind us that, that next week we're, we're going to talk more about Christ in Christmas. If, if this Sunday has, has left you just like, whoa, like what did we talk about today? We talked about all these pagan things and now I'm discouraged about Christmas. Well, Christmas is about Jesus. And as we as Christians should say, Merry Christmas to each other and, and bring Christ back into Christmas if it has ever left that place. And so let's pray. Let, let's worship him. God, we do come before you as, as your believers, as believers in the one that, that, that you came to this earth, Jesus, that you, God, came to this earth uh, being born of a virgin. You, you came into this earth like we all have come into this earth as human beings being born, but you are God, and, and God, we worship you. We praise you. We give you thanks in this season. God, we give you all of our praise, all of our, our, our lives and our glory. We worship you and you alone. We love you, God. And everybody said, amen. All right, friends, go in peace. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.